0: This is a new angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey, folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Nate Bellinger and Grace Gibson Snyder. Nate is an attorney with Our Children's Trust, which is suing the state of Montana. On behalf of 16 youth climate
1: activists, including Grace, a graduate of Hellgate High School here in Missoula. The greenhouse gas emissions that Montana is responsible for burning just within its borders are more than the greenhouse gas emissions from over 100 other countries.
0: The case is set for trial in June of this year. Grace, Nate, thanks for coming on the show today.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Grace, let's start with you.
2: So I grew up, I was born in Missoula and I lived in Seattle for a few years and then moved back to Missoula where I've lived for the last, I don't know, over a decade now. Uh, My parents, my mom is a physician and my dad is an organic farmer in uh, both, you know, based in Missoula.
1: Excellent. Nate, how about you? Where did you grow up and what did your parents do? I grew up in Amherst, Massachusetts. So I have deep roots to New England. Um, And I've lived in Eugene, Oregon for about 15 years at this point. And my mom was a college professor. And my dad owned a woodworking business. Great. And did you enter the law with
0: an interest in environmental litigation?
1: Yeah, I did. When I went to law school, I really went with a desire to focus on environmental issues. And I had some diverse experiences before that that kind of really inspired me to, to follow that that path. And so it was nice going to law school and really really knowing what I wanted to do. It, it allowed me to focus my my time and energy both in law school and then when I got out of law school.
0: Well, we'll talk about our children's trust in a moment, but before we do that, Grace, I'd love to know a little bit about your history and how you got passionate about the climate.
2: Let me start way before I was ever born, actually. As a little backstory, uh, my family has been in in Montana, excuse me, for a long time. Uh, My great, great, great—I don't know how many greats—grandma came in 1866, so I'm the sixth generation born in Montana. So, like Nate said, very deep roots for sure. We've grown. We've been all around the state over the course of those generations. And uh, I, as Montanans, know I I'm, I'm, was very fortunate to grow up with such access to the outdoors. And so I grew up hiking, biking. My family hunts and fishes, and we ski cross country and downhill. Um, and so we've spent hours upon hours outside and so with this just super deep connection to the natural spaces of Montana I have a very strong desire to protect them and to keep them the as as pure and as healthy and as clean as they've been for me in my lifetime and and as they've been for my family for so long
0: yeah I understand the connection to the landscape but at what's at what stage you decide you want to kind of take this on as, as a project of activism
2: I don't know that I can pinpoint an exact moment. Um, I remember a few early memories of learning about the melting glaciers and learning about polar bears. But I think I really started to become aware of it in late middle school, early high school, when I started to see things happening in Missoula that I knew then were connected to climate change. So, for example, the wildfire smoke every summer settles into the Missoula Valley so thickly and so heavily. And for me, that was a bit of a disruption for my high school soccer career, for example. Our summer practices were moved inside or canceled because it was so smoky. It becomes so unhealthy to be outside. So, you know, the the kids on my team with asthma obviously were very heavily impacted. And you know, even for me without that, it's uncomfortable to bring you, that your throat gets all scratchy, it's dense, you know, you kind of just feel sticky, like it's so unpleasant and genuinely unhealthy. That was one big impact. Um, another is seeing firsthand the melting glaciers mm-hmm. in Glacier National Park. Uh, I visited the park a lot a few summers ago. I spent a lot of time up there. And, you know, just being in this place of such amazing and pristine natural beauty and then seeing the glaciers melting. And I know they they melt some naturally obviously as well, but knowing in the context of the, you know, the greater context is they've been shrinking so rapidly for so long and that they're expected to disappear within my lifetime, within 50 years maybe, it's, it's heartbreaking.
0: So Nate, tell us what this case is about. Like what is the claim, what is the basis for the claim and what remedies
1: are you seeking? This case held the state of Montana was filed by 16 youth plaintiffs who are from really across the state of Montana. And they've filed suit against the the government of Montana. And the case argues that Montana's historic and ongoing actions to promote the extraction and burning of fossil fuels is causing dangerous greenhouse gas emissions which are contributing to the climate impacts that Montana is already experiencing and ultimately violating these plaintiffs' fundamental constitutional rights secured by Montana's constitution. And so the claims are again infringement of Montana of these youth plaintiffs constitutional rights including their right to a clean and healthful environment the right to equal protection of law and individual dignity, and also the right to constitutionally protected natural resources, including you know, the, the land and the rivers and the atmosphere in Montana. And so these are all fundamental rights that are enumerated in Montana's constitution that we're arguing that are being violated by the state's conduct that's Promoting fossil fuels. We're seeking what's called declaratory relief. And specifically, what we're asking for is a declaration from the court that the state of Montana's statutes and activities that are promoting and permitting fossil fuel extraction and development are violating the plaintiff's fundamental constitutional rights. So we want the court to state that clearly as a declaration of law. And that Ruling would mean that it would then be unconstitutional for the state to continue its activities permitting and promoting its fossil fuel-based energy system. That would then help transition Montana away from fossil fuels, which are an outdated and dangerous energy resource. And which those energy needs could then be met by renewable energies, which Montana has abundant opportunities for.
0: Okay, and describe what Our Children's Trust is all about. What is your how does your organization function and then how do coalitions like like this coalition that Grace is a member of with 15
1: other Montana youth how, how do those groups come together? Sure. So, Our Children's Trust is a public interest law firm and we're actually the only law firm of its kind in that we represent youth in bringing constitutional cases against governments. And so our role is representing youth and trying to hold their governments accountable for the, the dangerous actions that they're taking to promote fossil fuels. And one thing that's also important about the work that we do at our Children's Trust is all of our cases are based on protecting fundamental rights, so constitutional rights and public trust rights. And that's really important because it's our goal to secure legally enforceable remedies in court that will be durable and lasting and the the coalitions like we see in Montana of of these incredible youth from across the state you know they oftentimes come together through the youth the you know Montana's youth including the plaintiffs in this case you know they're as you heard from Grace many of them are, are really concerned about climate change and are doing things to to minimize their climate impact personally or to improve their communities. So a lot of the youth that we work with, including the youth in Montana, are are part of youth groups that are already engaged in climate issues or they're part of a school club. And the best word of mouth for the cases is through the youth. And so a lot of the outreach for the plaintiff comes directly from from peers and from youth to youth.
0: Yeah, Grace, maybe from your perspective, how did you kind of get involved with this coalition and, and why did you sort of think this was a uh, the right path for you to, to be a part of a, a lawsuit like this?
2: I was a member of Hellgate High School's uh, environmental club, which is called SAVE, Students Against Violating the Environment, And it was through this club that I heard about our children's trust for the first time. And through a guest speaker, I got in contact with Nate and um, became a plaintiff. And I didn't even know about our constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment before getting involved in this case. I just knew that I wanted to be involved in protecting Montana and uh, that this was a great opportunity to do the same work that I had already been, been starting to do locally um, on a little bit of a larger scale in terms of advocating for myself and for my rights and for my future.
0: And so you mentioned the clean and healthful environment provision in, in the Montana State Constitution. Nate, a question for you is, is is this part of the Montana Constitution unique in that? Does it create a unique opportunity for a lawsuit like this? Or could some of the outcomes in this case determine outcomes in other states or uh, at a national level? Does this, how generalizable
1: is a result in this case? I think to answer that question, it's it's just worth kind of briefly reflecting back on the 1972 Constitutional Convention when that right to a clean and healthful environment was added to Montana's constitution and if you look through that constitutional history which has been you know recorded verbatim it's just an incredible resource it really shows to you that when the the constitutional delegates were gathering and talking about the right to a clean and healthful environment it was their goal to enact a constitutional provision that was as protective as possible. They were fighting about how to make it most protective, not the least protective. They understood that what they were doing was necessary for both present and future generations. So you have that intergenerational concerns articulated in that language in the Constitution as well. And so Montana was really a leader in codifying that right, the right to a clean and healthful environment, and explicitly incorporating it into its constitution. But to answer your question about the the, Im- the implications of the case beyond Montana, these, these rights, these fundamental rights to a healthful environment, these are fundamental rights that we all enjoy. You know, every citizen in the United States and every state enjoys. So the implications of this case would be significant beyond Montana, As, just to give you one example, Judge Aiken, in our federal case, Juliana, the United States, she said in one of her decisions that the right to a climate system capable of sustaining human life is fundamental to a free and ordered society. These rights to a a stable climate system, you know, sometimes are explicitly articulated in the Constitution, sometimes it's more implicit, but they're fundamental rights that we all hold. And a a successful outcome in the Montana case will be really important for Montana, but also have important legal precedent beyond Montana as well.
0: We'll be back to my conversation with Nate Bellinger and Grace Gibson-Snyder after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success.
2: This is Ann Helen Peterson, and I am a senior culture writer at BuzzFeed News, and you're listening to A New Angle.
0: Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Nate Bellinger and Grace Gibson-Snyder about their constitutional climate lawsuit held v. Montana. Grace when you were talking about your 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 motivation to participate and to be an activist in this space you reference the changes you're seeing in the world around you and how those impact your experience but also your your thoughts about the future and not only your future but the future of your friends and and future family members and future generations one of the aspects of climate change that I think is perhaps undercovered in our media is the the mental health cost of experiencing a changing climate and having some stress about what may come in the future. How do you view that issue with your your colleagues and peers as you're, as you're advancing in your education?
2: It certainly has been a part of my experience. As I became more aware of climate change and its impacts on Montana and in the predicted impacts on Montana, there's a whole range of emotions that that's evoked over the last, say, five or eight years. Uh, for one, it's sadness and a deep sense of loss. And I think many people in Montana understand that feeling. If you imagine these spaces that, that we've grown up in disappearing, mm-hmm. it's kind of an immeasurable experience that could just disappear. There's also um, anxiety about maybe the more extreme impacts or the more violent impacts of climate change uh, in Montana and elsewhere, like hurricanes and drought and famine and and the super conflictual results of that that I certainly don't want to see happen. That brings me to kind of my most intense mental health impact has been the struggle in my mind about whether or not to have kids. I would love t- to have kids and to raise children, but uh, I th- am worried, I guess part- partly about contributing to that by, you know, bringing another resource consuming person to the world, but more importantly, I'm concerned about the impacts of climate change on my children. I, you know, since age 14 have been thinking about whether or not I want to have kids, and that burden is way too much for anyone particularly a 14 year old there there's so much more i could say about this there's the the guilt that i feel whenever i'm not working on climate climate change and trying to protect montana there's the the issues of of being accused of of ulterior motives um and and the burden that's placed upon us by older generations there's so many levels of the mental health impacts of climate change for sure
0: yeah and maybe This is a good opportunity for you to talk about your experience in the case so far. Uh, What's been your experience of just participating in this litigation and the um, kind of adversarial nature of how this, this system works?
2: I struggle with that because I would like to think that this is not an adversarial issue, not a conflictual issue. I do deeply and truly believe that Montana is brought together by our love for the outdoors, regardless of political views, regardless of anything. I think we all deeply understand and have experienced, you know, dependence on and love for nature. The reality is unfortunately slightly different. I think I have been frustrated by what I perceive as the state, the defendant's Unwillingness to acknowledge the realities of climate change uh, and and their own actions. The other thing that I've learned in this process is just how much people care about this. I think we have um, been met with outstanding support from around the country, around the world, and and it's very strongly within Montana.
0: So, Nate, as you're approaching trial what are your kind of key hurdles that you have to get over what are the what are the proof points do you have to prove that climate change is real do you have to prove that specific montana laws or policies contribute to it, it what are the key aspects of the
1: case that you have to you have to prove in your claim first of all I'll just say we've overcome a lot of hurdles already to okay. get to this this doorstep of trial the case was filed almost 3 years ago and The state has tried numerous times to have the case dismissed. And with respect to trial and what we need to prove, we don't need to prove, for example, that Montana is singularly responsible for climate change. But what we'll show, and we have the expert testimony to demonstrate this, is that Montana is a a significant contributor to climate change. There are a vast amount of fossil fuels in Montana, and the state is actively promoting the extraction and development of those fossil fuels. And those fossil fuels, when burned, are a really significant contributor to climate change. And as as one of our experts notes in his report, the, the greenhouse gas emissions that Montana is responsible for burning just within its borders are more than the greenhouse gas emissions from over 100 other countries. A lot of the plaintiffs, they're not only dealing with the emotional burden and injuries of the climate injuries that they are experiencing, which is a huge weight in and of itself. But as you heard Grace talk about, those injuries are exacerbated and made even worse when you have a government that is affirmatively acting to harm you when they know what they're doing is dangerous. Instead of addressing the problem, the state of Montana is doubling down on fossil fuels. So we'll present that full story. You know, that story is is really full of really devastating and, and concerning climate impacts and injuries. But there's also a story of hope here, which is it's not too late. There are feasible remedies that... Montana can start implementing to be phasing out fossil fuels. It makes sense economically. It make It's technically feasible. And so there is an alternate future here where we can still protect the clean and healthful environment of Montana and secure a better and brighter future for these plaintiffs.
0: I'd love to learn a little bit more about some of the other plaintiffs. and I don't know if that's a better um, question for you, Nate, or
1: Grace, but um, describe the, the group a little bit. The plaintiffs, like I said, they're they're from across Montana. It's a it's a great diverse group of, of young people. So we have, for example, Ricky Held, who lives in Broadus in eastern Montana, and her family owns a seven thousand acre ranch. She's talked a lot about how she's experienced climate impacts on her ranch and how it affects her ability to work outside and her family's ability to. To raise cattle and have adequate water resources, wildfires that have been on her property. Um, there's plaintiffs in you know the opposite side of Montana, Northwest Montana, up up in Kalispell area, who do a lot of you know hunting and fishing, and they too have seen the impacts of climate change on the 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 resources. The plaintiffs, you know, individually and collectively, really really tell this story about how their their health, their well-being, their resources that they're depend on for their survival and well-being are are all being impacted and that's having very real injuries to them.
2: All I can add to this is that I really respect all the plaintiffs. <laughs> they're awesome. Every time that I've met one, I've been so, I'm so grateful to meet other Montanans who, who have the same ties to place that I do, um, who have uh, a similar vision of this new future, as Nate was describing, um, this, the, all the possibilities. And I think seeing other uh, youth and other Montana youth specifically that also see the possibilities in the future um, really helps me to remember the hope that we have. Um, and it's a great counterbalance to all the mental health impacts that I was mentioning earlier. So I've been so grateful to be a part of this little community and to share it with the larger communities.
0: Wonderful. Grace, one final question for you. Is, as you're kind of exploring this next phase of your life as a college student, making choices about your education, career, for somebody interested, uh, somebody listening who's interested in in getting involved in climate activism, learning more about this issue, particularly a young person who's interested in, in learning from your example, what what advice would you have for them? Where would you? Wh- how would you direct them?
2: I think there's a couple things. First, I would find what motivates you. For me, I kind of. <laughs> meandered within the realm of environmental work for a couple years before I realized that policy specifically is what I'm interested in. Um, so I think if you can find, you know, it's fine if it takes a while, but if you can find um, the thing that really drives you and, and inspires you and keeps you motivated, I think it gets you through some of the harder days. And I think finding a community is really important. And we have many in Montana. Montana itself really kind of is one, but um, a community that shares these same values and that you can learn from. And I think that's really important too, is just the amount that I've learned from people that I've met through my work and people that I've met because of my work and people who have said to me that, oh, you know, I, I read about the case and, and um, I love to talk about it. And just the amount that you can learn just from, from talking to people um, in Montana is astounding. And I think that's really amazing. And then concretely, recognizing the value of all the different things that you've learned in school, some of them seem so unrelated, but they um, they all do really play into um, whatever it is that you do choose to pursue. Like, you know, I never thought, you know, the the poems that I read in English class would ever come up again but you know some of the most beautiful poems ever are about nature and um, preserving it and this beautiful connection we have with the land and so it's really all it's all connected it all matters and so finding what motivates you and and finding a community and, and ways to learn that that keep you inspired and move you in a little way to contribute
0: yeah that's a wonderful sentiment thank you for sharing grace nate If folks want to learn more about our Children's Trust, this case, other legal avenues that are open to them in their pursuit of climate justice,
1: where would you direct them online? How can people uh, learn more about what you're up to? The Montana case is is going to trial. The trial will start on June 12th in in Helena, so that'll be a credible opportunity for our plaintiffs and experts to testify in court. So if you want to to follow the trial, learn more about our work in Montana. We're also working in a number of other states around the country. We have federal case and we, we work globally as well. So you can find lots more information about all of the work we're doing in Montana and elsewhere on our website. It's ourchildrenstrust.org and on social media. And there's lots of opportunities to to support the work as well. So if you if you want to get involved, get in touch with us. We can use the we use the support.
0: Super. Well, Nate, Grace, so wonderful to learn about this effort, your dedication to it, and its importance to the state of Montana. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Good luck with the case, and uh, maybe we can chat again down the road.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hanson. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music editing by nick mott social media by aj williams and jeff niece is our master of all things sound thanks a lot and see you next time